Welcome to Interesting People I Know with Carrie Freitas. I'm super excited. I've been doing the podcast less often, which isn't great. I would need to commit to once a week again because I've missed it. Because selfishly, I like talking to myself, to interesting people, and knowing that people are listening to me feels very validating. But maybe we'll get into that since I have a therapist in the room. We can talk <laughs> about that maybe at the end. Um, so today on the podcast, I have a return guest by popular demand. Jennifer Smith. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist with a group practice in Newport Beach. And I always have a ton of questions for her. Usually I ask them offline, (laughs) but today we're bringing them online. And we're going to talk about things that she, um, because she has this thriving practice, she hears a lot of, you know, their patterns, I'm sure, and just the human condition and what people are asking you. So we're going to talk about some of those issues so that we can address a broad audience of people wondering about you know, common things people are struggling with. And then I had a couple of special topics I wanted to ask about. Mm -hmm. So we'll get into that. So welcome, Jennifer. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. So excited you're here. Um, So I thought we could talk about, and you had brought this up to me as a topic, and I love it. And it's so interesting how, you know, when you start thinking about something and then suddenly you attract like all these other people asking you questions or it seems to come up every day. Um, like if you're looking at red cars and you suddenly see a bunch of red cars. Mm-hmm. Well, ever since you said, let's talk about the language we use to talk to ourselves and to others. I've noticed how important that is just because I've seen it in my life in my in practice going, wow, I'm talking to myself like I would talk to no one else mm-hmm. um, and not in a good way. Right. Um, so I'm super excited to dig into this with you. And I didn't know whether you wanted to talk about the language we use with ourselves first or in relationships. Well, let's start with the language that we use with ourselves okay. because that's really well where it all starts is in our own head, in our own mind, with our own thoughts. Yes. It really is, you know, like the most important awareness that we need to or skill that we need to try to develop is what are you saying to yourself up there because that's really the captain of your boat right there true and you know we can guide our emotions our actions our words our behaviors in so many different directions just by paying attention to our thought process and the wording that we're using with ourselves that's great so you're saying and you'll explain this i know but i mean how powerful is that thought that we can control our thoughts mm-hmm. and feed ourselves like a maybe a better diet of thoughts mm-hmm. that are healthier and make cognizant choices of how we're going to talk to ourselves. Absolutely. You know, I read a study once that said that the average person, the average adult has about 50,000 automatic thoughts a day, which is a lot of thoughts. And most of the time we're not aware of that. It's kind of like the stock market ticker, you know, like in the back of your mind. I don't want to look at that. I know. (laughs) So even if you're like paying attention, like even if you're paying attention to me right now, there's probably like this sort of subtle thought process going on in the background. It's so interesting. Yeah, it's like CNN. It's like, what sushi am I going to have? for lunch did that does my hair look okay i got to make that appointment to cover my gray hair you know exactly but i am listening to you well and we have that ability to do that to have multiple thought processes going on at the same time and some of them are just usually more present and louder than the other ones but it's so important to learn to be in control of that and to learn that you can control that you know that i love to talk about mindfulness yes i was going to ask you if that's where it starts it's where it starts and all those things you're hearing you know out there now these days about meditation and how important that is for you absolutely true as far as health stress management all of that as a therapist i talk about mindfulness in terms of awareness of your thoughts and what's streaming in the present moment because that's where we have the ability to make a huge difference in how we feel about ourselves and how we relate to others and the choices that we okay. make in that moment. So it's so important. How do you start tuning into that? Like, is there a, because I want to talk to you about like the words we should be using, mm-hmm. but I, I want to talk about, I guess if you're saying, which makes sense, it starts with self-awareness and mindfulness. Like, is there like a practice or is there like um like an exercise I can try? Like, do I need to sit and like kind of tune into what my mind's thinking and write Mm -hmm. stuff down or like how do we start that absolutely and this is going to be a hard one to swallow for most people okay you got to slow down no i mean uh -uh. that so what's what else are we doing okay let's move on end of podcast uh cut um okay so we have to slow down 
All right. Okay, but I know we don't we don't okay. have to do it for large chunks okay. of time during the day. We can still maintain somewhat of a busy lifestyle. Okay. But what we have to do is we have to slow down bits and pieces throughout the day and just stop and take a breath and notice how that breath feels. And ask yourself, what am I thinking about right now? Where's there tension in my body? I think I mentioned this last time. One of my favorite exercises for uh, gaining better awareness is like when you think about it to stop and go through your five senses. Just check in with each five senses. What do I see? What do I smell? What do I taste? What do I hear? What do I touch? How do I feel? And you're practicing mindfulness in those moments when you do that or if you take three deep breaths and sort of just pay attention to the sensation so it's like building a muscle the more you do these types of things the more mindful you will get okay so let's say like in this moment like i'm stopping while you're talking and taking breaths and Mm -hmm. i'm feeling like for sure my breathing shallow because mm-hmm. you know and i think i'm keyed up in an excited way so like i think i can tease that apart and identify that because I, I love being here and talking right. to you so i don't feel stressed um but let's say i were like in the middle of my work day i stop and i'm like i'm feeling anxiety and then i, I i'm more advanced maybe and i tune into the fact that i'm telling myself that there's just too much to do i'm never going to get it done I don't know what the hell I'm doing here. There like I'm in over my head with this project or so like let's say I notice the thoughts. Right. Right. So then then what do I do if I notice that they're and I think a lot of people have like negative self talk going on, right? Or self defeating or or whatever, let's Absolutely. say. Absolutely. So then what do I do? I go, Well, I've acknowledged it. So this is one of my favorite techniques that comes, I mean, really what we're talking about when we're talking about managing your thoughts and understanding your thoughts and the wording that you use within those thoughts, we're talking about cognitive behavioral therapy. And one of my favorite techniques is called the three C's, catch, check, change. Okay. Catch the thought, like you said. Um, One of the things that you said was, um, I've got too much to do, I'm never gonna get it done. Right. right. So you're feeling anxious because of that. So catch the thought, recognize it. Next, what you want to do is check it, check it for fact, check it okay. for evidence. Is this 100% absolutely true that you have too much work to do that you will never get done? Is that absolute? Right. No. no. Most of the time we're like, no. I was going to say, most of the time the answer to that question, the checking, is this true? With stories we're making up in our heads, I'm assuming it's going to be, the answer is going to be, no, it's not true. Right. So the then, way it's framed, at least in our heads. Exactly. Okay. So then the next step, the third C is changed. Change that thought. This is where I think wording or dialogue okay. is yes. super important. And I love words. Like ever since I'm a little kid, I like to play like wordplay. Right. So maybe I have so some hope for me here because <laughs> I can pick different words, I think. Okay. So practice that. Okay. Tell me what kinder wording you could use with yourself in that situation rather than um, there's too much to do. I'll never get it done. Okay, so I would say, you know, I am busy. Mm-hmm. So acknowledging that, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, however, um, I have a plan to get the work done that I need to get done today. Absolutely. Because I have my to-do list and I know that I'm tr- I shouldn't be like, and I know you've told me before that a lot of anxiety comes from like future casting. Yes. So the thing is, I think in those moments, I'm thinking about the entire to-do list of my life, mm-hmm. which is like, that's not going to get done in one day, let alone a year or whatever. Right. So I think I just need to remind myself, like I'll acknowledge that you are, you know, Carrie, you are busy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't beat yourself up about thinking, I mean, you're, make, you're not making that up. But what you are telling yourself is that you're just a self-defeatist. I can't get it all done. Mm-hmm. And the truth is you have your to-do list that you've carved out for today, Carrie, and you will get that done. Mm-hmm. You have a plan for that. And I like to take it even further. Okay, yeah. Okay. So what does that look um, like? So go back to um, you are a busy woman. Can you tell me some good things that that means to you? Ooh, yeah. Okay, so I love this, by the way, because I'm like getting a therapy <laughs> session while everyone listens. <laughs> I have some more questions for you. So, yes. Yeah, so I've been telling... And I'm excited. I told you at the beginning or the pre-show when I was talking to you and Murphy that I'm excited that business is busy mm-hmm. because that is a good thing for my business, uh, the people I work with, the clients I work with, and the economy. <laughs> so to me, I'm like, I'm really thankful to have a lot of business. Mm-hmm. And it means that I'm doing good work and my team's doing great work and we're valued and um you know, we have opportunities. How do you feel right now? 
I'm smiling. So I'm feeling really <laughs> excited and I feel proud. And I feel like, wow, like I want to just tear this up. Like right. this is cool. So I feel energized, proud, and calmer. Isn't that a lot different than um, I have too much to do? I mean, it's like di- it's like diametrically opposed to I and have too much to do. And what changed? Uh, nothing. Just the wording. The wording. Just the wording. Yeah. Just what we're telling ourselves. The wording. And then when the wording changed, the feelings changed. Exactly. Bingo. You got it right there. That's like so cool. I know, isn't it? Okay, we can do that again. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we can. Because take that next part of it where you said um, you have a checklist, you have a schedule of things that you need to do, and you'll get it done by today. Can you add on to that? Is there any more truth that you can say about that that might change how, you know, change that feeling of looking at it, you know, as too much to handle that makes you feel anxious and overwhelmed? Okay, so great. So I feel... Well, one, I feel really great. I feel proud of myself that I started the morning with um, a plan Mm -hmm. and that I know within the plan, I've planned in time to like eat lunch outside. And I know that this afternoon is part of the plan. Like I get to meet a new client at a really beautiful store and Mm -hmm. I might shop while I'm there. (laughs) And I know that um, the plan that I've mapped out is doable and I'm gonna feel great when I've accomplished it and yeah. the weekend's ahead of me. So Absolutely. that's all good stuff. And what happens if you don't get it all done? There's always Monday. Yes, <laughs> exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So we gotta tell ourselves that too. It's so interesting because I feel, I love this practice. Um, it's not hard. Mm-hmm. It's the stopping, it's the slowing down to, to think about it. Yeah, that, the catching well, yourself. To me, that yes. is the hardest part, Yeah, is the catching yourself. And that's why it's so mm. important to like work into your day, like you said, sitting and having lunch outside, but to work into your day, just moments, not like large chunks of time, but just moments where you can stop and breathe or do the five senses or check in. It's so good because I I do feel that, um, you know, a lot of us, I mean, everyone I talk to, and for different reasons, they don't have to be doing the work I do or, you know, have the same family dynamic or anything. It's more like, we're all really busy and I feel like it's so easy to be an autopilot Mm -hmm. and not to catch things. Well, autopilot is the opposite of mindfulness. It's mindfulness. I find myself in it a lot more than I want, than I would goal to be in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I also think it's interesting too, when we go through this exercise where you're like, well, what else can you tell yourself? And this is the stuff that I've done with friends or my children um, where I'll say, hey, there's always tomorrow, Mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, hey, you didn't get it, you know, you're not gonna, let's look at a plan to get that done. Like, mom, I'm feeling so overwhelmed to have college applications yes. and a test. And like, well, let's chunk it up into different pieces. Like, right. what does that look like? And so, I mean, I'm, I, I guess I feel like I'm really good about telling other people how to reframe. Just not yourself. Just not myself. Well, we are our worst critic. You know, we all yeah. know that, that that internal negative voice can be the strongest and the loudest towards ourselves. Absolutely, it's that internal programming. And um, for some people, it's worse than for others. They might struggle a little bit more emotionally, but really what it boils down to is just getting familiar and friendly with that voice and yeah. recognizing that you're, you're the author for what you're writing up there. And if you don't like how that story is going at any point, you can delete, erase, rewrite that story so it feels better. I love that, the way you phrase it, because to me, uh, I was talking to a good friend who has moved out of state. We were catching up and she's like, all the storytelling we do, mm-hmm. right? And you hear like even in business nowadays or you know, out in the world, it's all about storytelling, whether you're a politician, whether you're trying to sell a product, um, whether you're just relating to friends. And it's like the story, the, the words we choose to tell our stories, why is there like this default inner critic, like negative thing happening so much there's actually it's it's um in our dna there's like this uh negative bias in our thinking process and it really does date all the way back to the beginning of time kind of hunter-gatherer days where people would leave their shelter um, with the hopes of getting the firewood they need what they need to prepare a meal maybe an animal you know to cook for dinner and make it back without dying 
Because that was a real thing. It was a real like, threat. Yeah. And so it was was a constant perceived threat when you kind of left your comforter, comfort or safety zone. Okay. So we're on the defense watching for danger. And the way I see this negative bias is that we still have that tendency, but it's more social, emotional, financial perceived threat. Because it's been, so you're saying it's kind of we're, we're displ- it's displaced on other things now because we have it as a genetic like like a cellular level bias mm-hmm. from our ancestors right and so now that we don't have to necessarily worry about dying when we go to the grocery store right um it's been put on other things it, like maybe running into someone you don't want to see because right. you don't have your hair done yeah, or whatever exactly. it's like perceived threat to like your kind of emotional well-being or your social well-being or your relationships and you know, most of us know these days that when uh, you know we perceive danger or threat, we go into that stress response where your adrenaline is pumping and you go into fight, flight, or freeze mode. You're not thinking mindfully, mm-hmm. you're thinking reactively in those circumstances. So a lot of that does, managing that comes back to exactly what we're talking about, catch, check, change. What are you telling yourself that's making you perceive threat or danger in that right. situation? How are you interpreting Interpreting that situation and are there facts to support that and if not change it let me touch on that what if there is or are facts to support that yes. thought okay what do we do because like you said most of the time like 99% of the time um, you're gonna be able to say no there's no evidence to support that thought if there is evidence what we then move to doing is problem-solving problem solve the situation so that you can handle it effectively and the negative thought will go away like for example just an example take like a student who has really struggled in math and they really want to get a good grade they want to get an a or b but they've had a series of d's because the subject is just really hard okay so if their thought is oh my gosh i might fail this class what there's some reason to believe that that might be true yes so that's not irrational thinking um, or thought not based in fact it's there's some evidence that that might be true so the problem solving would be, what do I need to do to get a better grade in this right. class? Okay. I need to get a tutor. I need to talk to the teacher. I need to put in more hours of study time or homework. So that's uh, problem solving. Okay. I think, I mean, I know that and we're coming from a, a place in an area of privilege where some people, you know, in different parts of the world, certainly, um, and even in our country, you know, have reason to fear when they leave their homes that they might not come back safely. And there's mm-hmm. all sorts of, you know, so um, I want to acknowledge that because that's Absolutely. like, you know, um, and I don't like that, but, you know, hopefully we move towards a, a world where that's not the case for hopefully most, if not all people. But yeah. I think that coming from where we are and for, for where a lot of, you know, privileged people are, where they're living in relatively safe communities and, you know, they don't have to have this fight or flight or freeze, you know, thing on the daily basis. Um, is there a way, I mean, this this mindfulness and the three C's does help us override that. Do you think we ever get to a place where it's just like not an issue or is it just always going to be something we need to, like, are we ever going to like override this DNA, this genetic predisposition or is it just something we just have to learn to live with and, and control? I think the best I can say now, because I really can't, you know, predict where that's going to go years from now in the future but i think the best that we can do now the way that i see it is it's learning to manage the cards you've been dealt you know learning to manage the thought process that you have the core beliefs that you have which are really like i kind of call it our programming or the way I see it is, like, imagine when you're born, there's like a blank hard drive. See, like a software package <laughs> exactly. that comes with you. And within the first kind of five to seven years of life, we really have already established the core programming of who we are and if we matter or not, um, who others are and how we relate to them, whether we can feel safe or not, yes. and who the world is and right. whether we is can trust the world. Is it a safe world? world? Yeah. 
Right. Yeah. So when we when we grow up, that kind of acts as our template for what is normal in the world and how the world works. Okay. And so then as we're growing up, we filter events through you know, that. through that and we make it fit into that template or that filter so that our world makes sense. Yes. And then when you become an adult, you start seeing other things happening or people doing things differently. Yeah, and you're like, Oh, I like that or I don't or I right. wanna get more of that. Right, or how come that person has confidence in that situation and I don't, you know? Or how come that person doesn't seem to care that other people are watching, but I do? Yes. You know, so that is, that's coming from that template. And our job as adults is to identify the parts of the template that maybe aren't working for us and they might actually be working against us. Okay. And then that's where we want to try to focus in on changing those thought processes. And that's work that people can do, obviously, if you really cultivate this self-awareness and mindfulness mm-hmm. you can start to do this on your own obviously right but i would imagine that that's great like a great um thing to work on with you or members of your team like Absolutely. that to me seems like a great way like reason to come in it's like you know this is not this is broken for me you know what i mean like my relationships with friends seems to be broken yes. you know um and here's what i'm going through patterns and then, repeated for and then sure. you all with your, you know, expertise and like, you know, hours and thousands and thousands of hours of, you know, clinical practice, you can help tease apart like, okay, this is why it's not working. Tell me about how did you come to this belief? You yeah. know, in a right? And then kind Absolutely. of Absolutely. And usually people will come to me at the point where they feel they've tried everything on their yes. own and they're stuck. Yeah. Absolutely. That's I mean, I love it when I get someone that's maybe at the beginning of that process, yeah. you know, and doesn't want to get stuck, but I respect that we generally try try our hardest to figure something out on our own and when we can't that's usually when we reach out for help exactly yeah um how does it work so we've talked about like the way we speak to ourselves and some things we need to do to like do the practice the three c's right which is catch check change change. so what happens though because i think we talked about this too in the preparation for the podcast is the way we talk to other people Mm -hmm. um i think obviously probably colors those relationships and those dynamics. I mean, if the words we use to ourselves are so powerful, the words we speak to others have to be just as powerful. Absolutely. So how do we become more like mindful or, because I feel like if we we get this down, like if we get the self-talk down, Mm -hmm. then I would love to tackle like the talking to others so that we can have this really great basis of like how to be in the world and right. be happier. I wish that it could start with our own internal self-talk, but that is the hardest one. Okay, to so that's harder than And I feel like if you can practice, I mean, for some people, you know, but if you can practice kind of how you're talking to other people and be super mindful of that, it actually has the ripple effect. Oh, okay. So it can work that way back. It can work backwards too. Okay. Because, like you said, you're really good at maybe talking to someone else. Yeah, like coaching or talking to a client. I know kind of what they what they're really asking when they ask something maybe they're they're short with me but i know what the real feeling is and what i need to address and have you ever caught yourself like saying something really good to someone else and and i'll be like oh i need to remember that for myself like wow where'd that come from it's like okay yeah exactly so i think that it can definitely go either way and we can actually be working on both at the same time absolutely like you know you think about a relationship that's really important to you Mm -hmm. and you maybe start with that one and you start thinking and I'm going to use kind words. I'm going to choose my words mm. carefully. I was saying to you before, I think last time, um, that the there's a huge difference between like, let's say that you're frustrated with your partner, you know, mm. for not helping out, doing dishes, yes. whatever it is. There's a big right. difference between saying, you know, something like, well, you never do the dishes. You know, I always have to do the dishes. You never help out versus take a deep breath what's the bigger picture of what you're trying to accomplish is it to tear them down and make them feel bad or is it to get some help with the dishes so reframe that say it differently and say it in a way where you're going to get a positive result so it's a win-win situation so what's an example so an example would be um, (laughs) let's do the dishes thing even (laughs) right seriously it would be something like um i really appreciate it when you help out with the dishes because you know that i'm busy and i know we're both busy but that 
that means a lot to me. Okay. You know, just reframing it. Yeah. It's it's positive reinforcement. So this is so interesting because in the last in the last Sunday's New York Times in the Modern Love column, which mm-hmm. I always like love to read, and they've made a series out of it for Netflix, which I cannot wait to watch. But so it was this, it was written by an author who had been studying um not herself, she wasn't like an animal trainer herself, but she had was writing a book about animal trainers, like the people that train Shamu. Which right. I think Shemu got freed, hopefully, or something happened good. I mean, because I don't, I'm not a, in a, just to state a fact, like I don't like that Shemu was like in a small pool. Right. Like, I just want to be on the record. But so she had studied like how people train animals, whether it's a German Shepherd or Shemu. And there was the same thing of positive reinforcement. Yeah. So, but, and when the animal did something that you didn't want it to do, that was like a bad or naughty behavior, you ignored it. Right. This is basic. Like, I mean, human I thought that behavior. was, and so she tried it on her husband. Was anyway, yeah. the, the the whole the whole thing was that she tried it on her husband and it worked. Yes. And one of the things was dishes. So I just think it's so funny. That's hilarious. And so she did, you know. And again, with animals, are you know, so you can still talk in tone and stuff like that, and they could read. But that way, you read your your kind of emotions that way. But I think the words are important. So important. Yeah. And we have to be mindful. We have to catch ourselves because if we just give in to the frustration that there's a dish or a sink full of right. dishes, we're going to snap. We're going to say something negative. Because that's the feeling in the moment. Exactly. The urge is to react to that feeling that doesn't feel good. Been there. And what we have to really do is take a deep breath and think, what is the problem and how can I fix it? And just basic human behavior. We're going to respond better to positive reinforcement. Totally. We're going to, if you want to see a behavior more frequently this is parenting this is with animals with anybody i mean then you give praise to the behavior that you desire and you give minimal attention correction or ignore the undesired behavior and it will diminish i love it well that's what she said so i was like that's great um and I, i think you know one thing is interesting to me so i'm seeing a pattern here where in both cases whether it's the self talk or the talking to others um, there is a moment of pause. Mm-hmm. So it's like, in the, or the, the catching piece. So it's like, you know, we talked about the, the way the catch happens with your own thoughts, but in the self-talk. Um, and then the way the catch happens with relating to others is taking a beat, especially yep. if it's one of those trigger situations. Yes. Taking a beat to catch, like, to kind of get down to what it is that you really want from the situation. Like, what are you not getting? What's what's triggering you? Right. And, like, it's a problem-solving almost at the front end. It's like a catch right. and a problem-solve. It's like, um, I'm feeling angry, like, stopping before you react and being like, I'm feeling kind of angry or frustrated or disappointed or, um, I don't know, triggered somehow in the situation. What is it that I want to have happen differently here? So it's like that, and then, okay, mm-hmm. how can I phrase it in a positive way that'll be that'll get the outcome you want yes because in our relationships we forget sometimes like we get caught up in thinking like i need to be right or i need to win this (laughs) argument i've never felt that way and i'm kidding (laughs) (laughs) and really ultimately what we want in our relationships is we want a win-win we're on the same team we want the team to win you know we don't want the players that's important to remember we don't want the players fighting against each other you're gonna lose yes right so in any relationship that we value we want a win-win situation and then we take the time to try to slow down this process and choose your words wisely and wisely. positively. And again, with again with the caveat that certainly if like you're in an abusive relationship or something is super toxic, mm-hmm. I mean, then I think you don't need to worry about maybe phrasing it nicely, but you still need to stand up for yourself. Well, right? you may need to consider. I agree 100 with what you're saying. You may need to consider what you're saying just for self protection and okay. safety too. Right. You so know, that's being different. mindful of that and being mindful of. And of course, if you're in that type of a situation, you definitely want to get help. And exactly, it's, let it's someone a know. Different. It's a different. Um, it's a, it's way. That's a spectrum thing. Where right. I'm talking, we're talking more about like the dishes and. Like, honey, could you not leave your underwear on the floor? You know what I mean? Or something, you know, or friendship. Like, I'm not getting enough from you. Like, I feel like I give, 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 you know. So let's but let's talk about that for a second, yeah. because let's say that what you're needing from your partner is uh, more affection. Yes. OK. And it's, you know, absolutely. It's important for us to express what our needs are. But let me ask you this, Carrie, if I said yeah. to you, um, I need more affection from you. Right. Versus it makes me feel very loved when you give me a hug. Oh, well, I mean, 
hands down the second one. Okay, and there really is nothing wrong with that first one no. either. Like I'm not saying don't no, it's like say a nuance, I need, right. but there's such a different feel to it when you yeah. frame it in the way of, you know, cause I want you to feel good as my friend. I yes. want you to feel good. Right. So if you say to me, I really like it when you give me a hug when I see you. Yeah, it feels so good. Oh my or gosh, like I, I'm gonna be like, like yes. I've missed you so much. Yes. Like I love when we spend time together. Exactly. It makes me feel so good. Right, right. It just, it's taking it one step further. Yeah. Can really deepen the connection and it's still true mm-hmm. and it's not manipulative no um it's just truth it's truth yeah. it's truth in a loving and kind yeah, way which i think sometimes i've noticed i'm really i am getting so good jenny <laughs> this is crazy i'm just gonna tell um i'm getting so good at expressing gratitude to people mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it feels so good for me and i've seen like it feels so good for other people so i was even to clients i'm like I am so thankful to work with you. Right. You know, like, thank you so much for this opportunity. I'm learning so much. And I feel really honored to be part of a team that's doing this great work. Like, it just feels great. Right. I mean, they almost don't know what to do with it. No, it, it just it's so it, it just isn't a common way of communication, which is kind of sad. But we can bring it back to that or bring it right. to that in a fresh way where we're really building each other up through our work. That's important. I want to I want to be a proponent of that. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. You um, know. Just so this is kind of, I mean, it may be like an awkward segue, but I don't think it is um, to boundaries mm-hmm. because I think that, you know, sometimes when we're talking about um, dynamics with other people and what we need and don't want, you know, when we're talking about how to kind of phrase things in a positive win win way, mm-hmm. boundaries seem to be, um, can be problematic, mm-hmm. I guess, when, would, I'm going to say like when you haven't had good boundaries and then when you learn about boundaries, like maybe like, let's say I'm a client of yours, you know, and this is like me in real life. Like I, you know, worked through therapy because I didn't have good boundaries. I had a lot of codependency issues and people pleasing growing up. That was my template. Mm-hmm. And then I realized how it wasn't working for me. So I'm like, I need to work on this piece. Mm-hmm. And so then when you establish boundaries, you know, there is, Sometimes, and I've had some other people approach me about this just offline, friends and, and acquaintances, and say, you know, have you like experienced people pushing back when you establish like what you've learned either in therapy or through self work or whatever it is, like what a healthier boundary is for you? And I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. I have felt that. And, um, and people sometimes get angry or judgmental or just don't want to be part of your life anymore with that boundary. Right. So, we could talk a little bit about that yeah i think you know people generally uh get a nervous feeling when you talk about boundaries they see boundaries as something that um maybe they know is necessary but hard to do and will have negative consequences from it and it couldn't be further from the truth boundaries are necessary and important for our benefit for our well-being as well as others you know you don't feel good if you have been told that you've crossed someone's boundary but if you didn't know what that boundary was then you didn't have an opportunity to sort of respect that we feel bad when we cross someone else's boundary we feel bad when they've crossed ours and boundaries are individual and unique there's no blanket boundary you know for everyone one there's no one size fits all and it's on multiple levels it's physical mental emotional spiritual social all that kind of stuff and boundaries can change too they can change over time as we change or gain strengths or confidence but it's a skill it's definitely a skill that has to be learned and with any skill we have to want to learn it and we have to see the benefit of it and most of us think if i set a boundary i'm going to hurt the other person or something bad they're not going to like it they're yes. going to get pushed back there's fear yeah. to doing it so yes <laughs> to all that that's going to happen but right. that doesn't mean you don't set a boundary okay. we have to expect that is there can you give me an example of like um you know, like a way, like what a, an example boundary might be, like in a friendship, mm-hmm. um, and how to set like a new one. Right, right. Well, you when we, when it comes to friendships and boundaries, just keep in mind too, it's going to be different than like in a relationship yes. or with a parent Correct. or with a child. I'm thinking like a friendship. Maybe an example would be too, because I've had someone bring this up to me as like a topic. Is that like you have a friend that just unloads on you constantly, like yeah. all their stuff. And they are very demanding of your time and your space and your mental space. 
and they're not really giving. They're just, and again, I'm not talking about a friend in crisis. I'm talking about more of like a, instead of an acute situation, it's more a of a constant, chronic yeah. um, drain, you know? And how do you feel like after? I, let's say I feel like really depleted. I feel like I've burdened um, and maybe because it's been, let's say, going on like forever, right. like a chronic situation. And I feel like I want to tell this person, like, I love you and I want to be there for you. I can't be the only person there for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to support you, but I also need, I can't do this all the time. Like I need some time and space mm-hmm. and. You just set a boundary. Okay. You just did it. You just answered Is that, how that you do question it? for yourself. That's exactly okay. it. Um, you know, a boundary really what it is, is it's what's okay for me and what's not okay for me and feeling comfortable communicating that. Okay. Okay. And for you, you care about that person. You love that person. You don't want them out of your life, but there's certain limits to the types of conversations that you're comfortable with within that friendship. Right. Or how much I can be there, exactly. how much time I can give to it. Time is a boundary. We have to set, I mean, when you first start dating someone, you might have one partner that wants to be together every day. And and the other one is like maybe twice a week. Neither one is right or wrong. There just has to be a discussion and agreement about what the boundary is so that everybody's happy and no one's disappointed. Okay. So you're exactly right in in what you're feeling. When you walk away from an interaction with someone feeling depleted, drained, um, resentful, uh, you know, just low energy, that's a sign that perhaps a boundary needs to be set, that they're crossing a boundary. Okay, that's good. So your approach, I thought, was really good. I think you are very good with words. It's just when you're mindful about what you're saying and how you're saying it, right. you know, we can really, ch- it can be a game changer. So I think what you said was spot on. Like, I really love you and I care about you and I don't want to lose our friendship. Um, but when we, you know, have conversations every time we get together about yes. this, I walk away feeling this way and I don't like that feeling. What can we do about this? And you can negotiate. You don't have to say, so don't ever talk to me right. again no, about that. Like, so, you know, maybe it's like, how about we set aside, you know, like we see each other a week, each week for a walk. Let's right. set aside some time, you know. Maybe during that walk or maybe you could ask me first, hey, would now be a good time oh, um, good. to talk about the issue I'm having and that we discussed last week okay. so that your friend is giving you permission to say not now or absolutely go for it. Okay. You can just request that she ask first before That's she nice. or okay. he goes into it. And then what about if you do that mm-hmm. in the ways that you're saying, the healthy way, and they just are not able to accommodate that boundary or they're just, I don't want to judge them and say they're not trying, but I'm just saying they have a hard time with it. Right. That one's really up to you and that's a tough one. So when we set a boundary, you know, I mean, when we do what's right for us, that doesn't mean that it's going to be right for, for the everyone other else. Person, yeah. And so sometimes we do end up hurting someone. Um, But if we sacrifice our own needs or our own feelings or our own boundaries, that relationship is going to suffer anyways, right? It's not a healthy relationship anyways. Okay. So I believe it's a good idea to try to set that boundary with the hopes that it will be well received. And even if you see that person's intent is good, even if they're not perfect every time, it still feels okay. But if they're flat out just unable or unwilling to respect that, you might have to consider ending the friendship or ending the relationship. And it's sad, but we do have to do that from time to time. There's a lot of people who let friendships linger on too long. I know. And then it ends up being hurt, more hurtful. Yes. Right. Just like any relationship you're in, like a romantic relationship that goes on too long ends up blowing up, I think, way worse than it had to. And what's the worst that could happen? It would be that the relationship has to end, which hopefully is worst case scenario. Correct. Best case scenario, the person responds well to your boundary. They may even set one also. Relationship right. thrives. Yes. You know, right. You it gets now, even better. Exactly. Exactly. I had someone ask me um, this morning, actually, I was texting with this person and um, they said, because I'd posted something on my Instagram about like boundaries. Um, and they said, do you ever encounter or do you ever feel like, so you set a boundary and the person's not honoring it. And they asked me like, has that happened to you? I said, of course. Mm-hmm. And then they asked me, do you ever feel like you're angry and kind of judging of them, mm-hmm. like for not being able to comply? Mm-hmm. And I said, yes. I said, but I think it's coming from like more of a sadness, disappointment place in me that mm-hmm. they didn't, that they didn't 
want to try enough to like make our relationship work. Like I don't feel like I really, I mean, there might be some anger, but I think it's more sadness on my part or disappointment that it didn't work out. But I told this person, I said, I think your feelings are very valid. Like that is disappointing. It can be angering. Right. Um, I said the judging thing is hard because it's like, I think it's another one of our DNA things that I don't know whether the cavemen like judged each other. I think they did because they had to decide who was a threat and who wasn't. Right. right? And, um, but um, I said the judgment part's hard because like I try to stay away from them being like, well, they're just not a strong enough person to, you know, I I don't want to levy some kind of judgment on them for not doing it, but it does hurt. Well, one of the things that you could do is you could clarify, you could use your, your uh, healthy dialogue, your healthy wording and say to the person, um, you know, since I talked to you about the boundary um, that we established as far as, you know, like you kind of using me to unload, right? you know, um, I've noticed that it doesn't seem like it's changed and it's making me wonder if you don't want to or if you don't care could you please clarify what's going on for you so that the person then has an opportunity to explain what's going on for them maybe they don't care so they can tell you that well guess what then you know where that friendship is at maybe they do care but they're really struggling because their internal negative thoughts get in the way or they get Mm. so overwhelmed with their emotion that they they forget about yeah they almost like just vomit on you exactly yeah so i think it's important in our relationships to consider not just your own feelings but the other person feelings I think it's very natural for us to judge there's a certain part of judgment that we need like you said like survival survival exactly or like this chicken is a week old you know you've got to judge that it's probably my not- husband will still eat it and so I'm not, <laughs> not gonna say that he doesn't have good judgment but I'm like he just hates to waste food I'm like babe you know that's okay <laughs> we don't want to assume is what we don't want right. to do we don't want to assume and then make our decisions based off of that assumption especially if it's a relationship that's important to yes. you you want to give that person the time to kind of explain where they're coming from. Yeah. Why is it um, so difficult? I mean, I'll just say for myself, but I know it's not only me. Why is it so difficult to have these honest conversations with people? Like, what's the fear? Is it rejection? Is it abandonment? Is it, I mean, I I was just going to ask you that. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. It's, it's, I, and don't you, I'm assuming it, you know, when you talk to people and your clients and from all your study, this is not an uncommon fear. No, right? absolutely. Because I, I think- feel like we, a lot of us are dancing around stuff with friends, with colleagues, with clients, with loved ones, with family, with mom, with dad, the kids. It's like, why is it sometimes so hard just to have, sit down and have like, again, a healthy well-worded, considerate conversation. I mean, fear absolutely is, I think, one of the biggest components there. What it is you're afraid of could be very different, uniquely different, but it could be a fear of the response. And let's say that you grew up in a home where, um, you know, when you asked for something, it was met with, why do you always ask for so much? You, You know, you just... You're always asking for things. And so then you feel a sense of shame when you ask for something or when you express your desire or your need met. And so then you kind of, your template is it's not Mm. safe to ask for something. So that could be part of it. But then let's say you get into a relationship with someone who's very similar and just kind of um, discounts your requests or your needs or things like that. Then you're going to shy away from sitting down and being able to talk to them about it. You might need some help to get to that point. that's the time when I can come to you too, right? And to, or to your group and be like, hey, I mean, you could even come situationally, right? You don't have to have like a, I mean, you know, granted, I've never been in therapy for like just one shot at a time. But I mean, even if you had something like you felt like you had a really good, relatively you know, great life and you're doing great things, but maybe you have one problematic relationship. I mean, right. I can come to you and work that through, right? And absolutely. Like we could even maybe like a role play or something the conversation absolutely and you know what therapy is unique to everyone there is no cookie cutter way of doing that as well there are so many different treatment approaches and different styles depending on different therapists and um just the point is is if you need help just reach out out. for it because it's there you know is there um and i know we're um i want to keep honest on time so we have just a few more minutes but when it comes time to end a relationship um like, should that be a conversation? I mean, I feel like it should. I think it sounds really hard and scary. <laughs> but I mean, I think like with a friendship, rather than like ghosting someone or like throwing up a boundary and then not honoring it and just getting frustrated, like throwing up your hands and just saying like, I'm not your friend. 
Yeah. You know, is there like a gracious way to I mean, send someone on their way? Uh, ideally, <laughs> yes. Ideally, it is a skill to be able to end a relationship in a healthy way. And it may not be on both parts that it feels good. But okay. if you have the ability to end it in a healthy way, you're going to have less likelihood of letting it affect you as you go out through life. And we okay. don't want things to build. Right. And we need to address things because if we don't address things, they will stew inside of us and build and turn into stress, anxiety, depression, mm. you know, anger, all that, all that kind of stuff so any chance that we get to address something you know that is upsetting us hurting us bothering us if we can address it in a way where we feel good about how we addressed it and we got the outcome that we were hoping for or close to it um we're more we're less likely to hold on to it and carry yeah. it with us we're more okay. likely to be able to put it behind so it's us. worth it i mean you think about it's it in those it. terms mm -hmm. it's like and whether that means a conversation that's in a loving way um, whether that's a letter that you write, maybe some nice, nicely, absolutely phrased. I'm not, I'm, I'm not opposed to a letter or an email because when we do communicate that way on a difficult topic, it allows the other person a chance to absorb the information yeah, and reread it and, and process think it. about it before yes. they respond versus just react and maybe you know get into an argument or defend or things okay. like that. So. All right. So here's our bonus topic, and I'm okay. not gonna I'm not gonna be talking the bonus topic that I wanted to talk about before because I'm saving that for its own episode. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Surprise! Um, so I, I'm putting you on the spot, but I wanted to ask you when we talk about the templates, mm -hmm. and um, you know, again, we've got the DNA from the caveman era, and we're working <laughs> against that. And but what about you know, as a parent, um, parenting your kids, and again, you know, not holding ourselves up to any kind of perfect standard. Mm -hmm. But, you know, what are like maybe what's the either the most important or like one through three most important things you can do to establish a healthy template for the kid? Like, yeah. So um, most importantly is just do the best that you can, given your own upbringing, your own skill set, your own knowledge. Your it's own hard awareness. to forgive myself when I look back, honestly, and I'm working on it. I post this thing on Instagram, so it should be true, right? I'm kidding, Just, <laughs> that doesn't make it true. Um, where, you know, I do think like the stuff you bring forward, right? Yeah. Is like, you've worked on some of it, but you haven't gotten all the way there. And when you started parenting, you maybe hadn't worked on any of it, you know? So, so do your best with the tools you have. To make your child or children just feel like they're okay with who they are and that they're allowed to be who they are. I love that. I think that's one of the most important things that we can do with our kids. You know, there's so many other factors of parenting, like rules, values, morals, right. um, what your discipline, rule is on dating, what your discipline is. <laughs> right. But <Curfew>. ultimately, <laughs> right, all that stuff, yes. if your child just generally has a sense that they have value yes. in this world, okay, um, that's going to make a significant impact on how they do I love adult that. life. So that's like the number one biggest thing. Is just to make your kid feel like they're okay. Yes. That doesn't mean you're not going to make mistakes. That doesn't mean right. that you're not going to yell at them from time to time right. or mess up or, you know, um, have to go back and say, I'm sorry. Or we're all human. We don't want to teach our kids that you have to be perfect or anything like that or that there's only one rule to how to live life. Right. Exactly. You know, we, we, the, like, happy healthy adults just feel okay with who they are yes. in their own skin and they feel like they have value i love that I, I noticed that in my my husband my current husband how you know again imperfect parents like but loving parents that gave him a sense of self like he yeah. is very confident like and not in a cocky way he's just like he's really healthy he's mentally healthy like and again that doesn't mean you're going to be confident in all no. areas and either, he makes but mistakes you, and right. stuff but he's like he knows he has intrinsic value. Exactly. That's it. He was given that. Exactly it. And I think that that's awesome because I see how that plays out for him. I'm like, wow, that's a great thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, that's one thing he and I were talking about it this last weekend. We were like, you know, we took a like a short little uh, trip for our anniversary. And I was saying, you know, like, I wish everyone would just treat people like they have value. Mm -hmm. And it comes into like whether we're talking about, um, I mean, just anything. You have value. That's it. That's the statement. So, right. like, there would be so much less judgment about body types or your color of your skin or your political leanings. Or it's like, you know what? Everybody has value. Right. And let's just start there. 
Absolutely. And I think it's so important just as a parent when you make a decision to bring a child into this world to just recognize how important that is, yes. you know, and to try to stay away from, you know, criticism or shaming or humiliation or things like that can be so damaging. Very damaging. You know? Yeah. So everyone has value. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that. And that's one <laughs> of the things where I think that that's just true. And even like what we're talking about with, you know, the self-talk, we have value. Right. Even if someone didn't tell us that, we need to tell ourselves that. Absolutely. Right? We are worth the three C's, right? Like catching it, checking it, changing it. Because we're worth it. We have value. We yes. have value in this world. The people we interact with have value. All of them. They deserve us showing up as our best selves and speaking to them in ways that where it's win-win and people feel positively. Again, we gave the caveats of toxic situations and dangerous situations, Absolutely. it's different. Um, and then just teaching our children that they have value so that they grow up with a really great template. Mm-hmm. It'll have different weird grooves and stuff in it that, you know, we get that. But we all do. Ultimately, Absolutely. if the driving force of that template is I'm valuable. Mm-hmm. That puts them just so much further ahead of the game. And that, you know, even if people have a like a earthquake and it, you know, their home uh, is ruined and they have to move. That's traumatic to kids. Yes. But the way parents handle these kinds of things can make a huge difference in you know teaching your child, hey, we still have value. We're going to be okay even though we don't have this structure. Right. Like it's going to be okay. That's a good point. You and know? I think that speaking of how we show up for the kids in those situations too, traumatic or not, you know, role modeling, um, the self-talk yes. and the speaking with to others with respect and you know in ways that you know again we'll get what we want it's a win-win but mm-hmm. positive framing and the right words such great role modeling and tools for kids to have at a young age and I think even for me I've, I've told my kids before like how I talk to myself negatively and say mm-hmm. I'm really working on this mm-hmm. or do you ever say this to yourself in the mirror mom does mm-hmm. it's not okay right you know so being kind of transparent a little bit with some of that super important with them yep um, okay, so um, thank you for a great podcast, as always. I can't wait for our next one because I already have the topic that we both know about, Top awesome. Secret. And um, and also just, you know, for people listening, it, there is no shame in having to seek out help. I mean, I would argue that, you know, we are so lucky to live in a time where we're talking more about mental health, mm-hmm. we're talking more about relationships, we're talking more about self-image and you know how we treat ourselves and self-care that you know i think one of the best things you can do for yourself um for those whom you love and that you interact with uh, work with Mm -hmm. and for society as a whole is to be more transparent about how you're feeling be honest show up as you know that you have value but seek out the help and let people know you know if you're comfortable with it that you are seeking out help and you're getting better and growing and share your tools. And so I encourage you to have no shame around mental health or seeking out any kind of support. Um, And you don't have to think you're in it for years. I mean, you know, as Jenny said earlier, you can just go for one session more. I mean, it's like, it's all flexible. It's all custom. It's tailored. It's whatever you need. And so um, just try it. I think it's, it's been so life-changing for me and I can't preach the gospel of, of, you know, seeking out qualified experts to help Mm -hmm. you um, on anything. So um, Jennifer Smith, um, she's got her group locally in Newport Beach, licensed marriage and family therapist, um, you know, and uh, she's a great gal and she's done worlds of change for people I know. So I definitely want you to seek her out if you're needing help. And if it's not a fit with her, she'll get you someone that that would help you. Absolutely. Thank you again for being on the podcast, and we'll see you next time. Sounds good. Okay. Bye. Bye. (laughs)